Hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode that I chose the title to be one of my amazing guests coloring book for children. This is how impressed I am by Matt Gilhuli's wonderful work. Now, I only bring people here that are leaving quite an imprint on me, that are giving me some food for thought and that are inspiring me, but you'll see why I am enjoying Matt's work so much. A bit about my personal experience with Matt until I give you some insights on his biography and his achievements. I was very privileged to hear Matt host some very interesting people that I got to learn about more and that I admire. And boy, is he an amazing podcaster because yes, he is a fellow podcaster and some of his great episodes can be found on the Life Shift podcast. A bit about Matt. He is a creator and I truly enjoyed reading your biography, Matt, because you are giving some really interesting tips on conversation and on communication, which I know that are some of your wonderful skills. No wonder. The Life Shift podcast, as Matt says, began as an experiment, but you learn about it in just a few moments from Matt. He enjoys designing content such as communication materials, coloring books, digital art, pitch meeting presentations, keynote speaking engagements, and other forms of media. In every experience, he relies on his ability to communicate with various audiences in ways that cater to the needs and desires of each individual. I truly enjoy learning this about Matt. Welcome, Matt. Great to have you here with us. It's great to be here. Thank you for that introduction. I told you before we started recording, I'm not great with compliments, so thank you for those. Great to have you here. And before we get into many of my curiosities about you, Matt, about mental health, about grieving, because you have had quite a journey. Can you please tell us, who is Matt Gilhuli? That's a loaded question. I think, you know, Matt Gilhuli, I am a podcaster. I think I'm going to go with podcaster. I'm also an educator as, you know, my real job, I guess, but podcasting has really grabbed my heart and soul, essentially, and kind of leaning into that. And my podcast really stems from my own personal experience. And it took me a long per- a long time to become this version of me, you know, based on those experiences. And I think that long journey has kind of created my ability to have these conversations with people on the podcast about sometimes really deeply personal situations in their lives. And what I want it to sound like and what I want it to be is kind of like if you were to overhear two people having a really deep conversation in like a coffee shop or something and asking the questions that many of us grew up too afraid to ask. I think 
a lot of times when we have human interactions with people, you know, for instance, if someone says, how are you today? Most people will respond with good. How are you? But if they really responded, it might not be good. How are you? It might be, you know, I'm, I'm not really having a great day today, but the other person typically isn't prepared for that response. Right. And how do we, how do we react to that? And so when I go into these conversations on the life shift podcast, I try to ask these tough questions that maybe they weren't asked before, ask them out, ask about them in a different way in hopes that we can uncover something so that when a listener is listening, they don't really feel alone in their circumstance or they can, something can resonate with them, even if it's not the same story, but something will connect and they'll feel more a part of humanity and a part of the community. So that was a long way of saying I'm a podcaster. I enjoy it. Thank you for sharing. On your podcast, what really got my attention was when you were the host, you had Matt Labrie, which we truly get inspired by on a regular basis. And even though you were the one asking the questions, you got very vulnerable, you got very open about your own journey with grief and mental health. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you, Matt, if you could share with us, how do you feel about grief now after you had quite an experience of losing your mother and your grandmother? Uh, I I feel good about grief now. I, I often tell people that I give myself the, the, like that I'm an expert in grief now because of how much I failed when my mom died. So, you know, my story, when I was eight, my mom was killed in a motorcycle accident. And at that point, my life completely changed from that moment. It was my life shift. And so that's kind of like why the show is called what it is, because after that moment, it was late 80s, early 90s. The people around me did not have the tools to help me. Society didn't really have the tools. So there was not a lot of talk about mental health. There was not a lot of talk about therapy for anyone, really. Usually, you know, you went to therapy. It's like almost like going to the doctor. You go a couple times and you're good. So no one really was able to, to help me through that journey. And I kind of attached myself to to perfectionism and trying to prove that I was okay to everyone else. Because, you know, in that eight-year-old brain of mine, my mother abandoned me. It wasn't intentional, right? But she died. And so eight-year-old doesn't understand that. It's an abandonment. And so my mind immediately went to, I need to do everything right so that my dad doesn't leave, so that my grandmother doesn't leave, so that all these people around me can see that I'm okay. And that didn't serve me very well long-term, right? Long-term, there was a lot of things that come up with that, leads you into depression, denial, all these other things that anxiety, things that didn't necessarily serve me well and probably wouldn't have happened had I had the opportunity to grieve properly. So 20 years of that until one moment in therapy when I was in my 30s, going through like five different therapists, trying to figure out what this world is doing to me and how I can get out of this whirlwind and, and the tornado that I would kind of created for myself. My therapist was like, you realize that every single decision that you've made 
your entire life since she died was with that eight-year-old brain. And that was when the doors kind of opened. I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. And that was kind of when I started to to unravel that grief process and kind of go through it with my mom. And people don't like when I say this, but I, I feel like I closed the door on grief with my mom shortly after that because I I understood it all. Everything made sense. And But because of that, because of the long, long journey of grief with my mom and everything, looking back, like I failed, like I just didn't do it right, which... I don't know. That's not real. I think everyone has a different grief journey. But my grandmother, who kind of became my mom, she got diagnosed with lung cancer. And so I knew that that was probably going to eventually take her. And so from that moment, I knew I had to do something differently because I wasn't giving the, given the tools when I was a kid. Now I have the tools. So I approached her passing in the years that it took completely different. And when she took her last breath, I was there. I was there for the final 96 hours of my grandmother's life, sitting next to her, telling her that she, whenever she was ready, she could go. And when she died, I watched it, you know, it was, and I felt like honored to be there. I felt like this was a really special moment. She was there when I was I don't know if she was in the hospital room, but she was there when I was born close to the first times that I took my breaths and how lucky am I to be able to be there for her at the end of hers. And when she died, I it felt different. You know, I was sad, of course, right? I just lost like, my best friend and another mother in my life. But at the same time, I had the tools to understand what I needed to do to reflect on that and move forward in a way that I could not be sad about her death, but be happy about all the other parts. Whereas growing up, I was so sad about, I don't know if I was sad, I was upset about not having a mom. And I just used that to fuel anger, to fuel depression, to fuel anxiety. And I didn't really focus on any of the good moments. It was more the bad moments of her dying. And so this time I was able to move forward. And so Again, a really long-winded way, but I'm letting you uh, feel that piece. Uh, but I think grief is crazy. I think grief is important. I think grief is necessary. And I think grief is 100% different for everyone else. Like that journey is has to be your own. You have to own it. You have to find a way that makes sense for you. You also have to be in it because it sucks and it's hard and it's, it's very difficult to be in it, but it's so very necessary to help you get out of it. Right. So that's my really long way of saying, how do I feel about grief? It's, it's a blessing. I'm very grateful for my grief journeys, both of them. Wow. And let me tell you, I am too. And I did not expect I'd cry, but you, you touched a chord there and I'm so grateful that you mentioned this and you mentioned some tools and I think that I could use them <laughs> personally in this moment. I think I'm still not fully processing some people that I have lost because this is why I got emotional. This is why I was so drawn to you talking to Matt about this. What would you say that the best tools to deal with grief would be? 
I don't know that there are specific tools that I would say. I would say that the most effective quote unquote tool that I used that serves me the best is to honor how you are feeling at any moment in time. Because I think we put a lot of shame on certain emotions, you know, or we put expectations on certain emotions. For instance, you know, someone dies. Other people expect you to be sad 100% of the time, but you're also a human. And so there might be times where you actually laugh, but then we feel shame because we're having a good moment or we're really angry. And then we feel shame for being angry, which makes us more angry. And so what worked for me, it was like, today is terrible. And I'm acknowledging that. And I'm going to move through that. And I'm going to honor that. And I know it's not going to be forever. But I didn't attach any kind of feeling to it about, you know, like, I shouldn't be feeling this way, or I should feel a certain way, or I need to get out of it immediately. So if I was to say a tool would be to honor how you are feeling at any moment in time, we're humans, we're going to have the range, or hopefully, we will have the range of emotions if we allow ourselves to. And I know I didn't do that when I was a kid, because I didn't know how. You know, I knew that people were either expecting me to be sad, and then I needed to be happy. And so people would buy me things, people would take me places, because I'm a kid. So if he's smiling, he's grieved, you know, like that was the attachment to that. But all in my head, I was like, oh, they expect me to be this way. I can't be this way. And so that really is damaging. So I think, you know, what I learned when my grandmother was dying was like, this, this is terrible. Like this is going to be the worst thing you've experienced, but you need to move through it. You need to understand that this is part of the human experience. Like we're born and we die and we don't get to say how it happens or when it happens, but you know, this could be an opportunity. And I took that as an opportunity with her. I mean, we were, we were best friends. I'll tell you one of the things that served me the best, and maybe this is a good tool for anyone that is facing someone that might be dying soon. About two months or so before my grandmother died, uh, we had a birthday party for her. We kind of figured it would be her last. She was, you know, she was still coherent. She was still okay, but she was in a lot of pain. And we kind of just figured things were going the wrong direction. And I was visiting. And when everyone left, we had a little party, we brought everyone in and, you know, she loved it. It was such a great day. And I said, all right, we're going to have the conversation. We're going to do it. And I sat down and we just looked at each other for like hours and told each other everything that we ever wanted to say to each other, thanked each other for, for the part that we played in each other's lives the fun times, the hard times, the things that we learned from each other. And I was, you know, I was probably like mid thirties and it was like the hardest conversation that I've ever had. But I knew when I left that day that if she died that night, nothing was left unsaid, not a thing. And I could be okay 
And I was like, that's probably like my proudest moment of like anything that I've done. That's like the scariest, like so much. There's a lot of fear in that, right? There's a lot. Like, how could you have that final conversation? How do you do it? And it's like, you just got to do it. And I have zero regrets. And I know she did too. And so, you know, that that really served me well. So if anyone is listening and is facing something like that, just have the conversation as hard as it is, because why save it for the funeral? Why save it for your journal? Why save it for conversations with other people? Tell it to the person. Tell them how much they mean to you if you can, if you have that opportunity. I didn't have that with my mom. She died suddenly. Plus, I wouldn't have been able to. I was eight. You know, like I didn't have those tools. But, you know, if you're old enough and you have those feelings and you want to do it, do it. Because I think that's probably why when she died, I was like, there's nothing left unsaid. We've said it all, you know, and so she can move on and I can move on. Of course, I'm going to be sad. I'm going to have all those emotions. But, you know, I think that's probably a really great tool that I think you have to be able to do it. I think it's it's hard. But if you have the opportunity and you have a little bit of confidence in yourself, I would do it for sure. Wow. What a beautiful memory. And I'm so grateful that you shared it, Matt. Honestly. Yeah, just these are tears of joy because I am experiencing you sharing something so personal and it makes me so happy that you are saying this because... I think the regret would have been definitely bigger, obviously, right? If you would not have had this amazing conversation with your grandmother. And yeah, this makes you an expert. (laughs) I have got to give you (laughs) 100% consent here. You are such an amazing person for doing this. You're the first person ever that I'm listening to that says this about saying goodbye at the end of the day because this is what it means but saying it in such a loving and in such in such an elegant way it makes it i mean this is what life is all about honoring the person when they are here with you when they are alive right now not when they're in the coffin because i'm i don't know maybe they can hear you (laughs) we don't know that for sure yeah and i i think we're just I feel that society tells us to like shy away from that. Like, you know, or we get so attached to hope that someone is going to miraculously come through and survive this particular cancer. But also what if they don't, you know, and take the chance. I wouldn't have regretted it. If she had lived for another 10 years, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't regret that conversation. It wasn't like we said, all right, goodbye. You know, we said, you know, we said everything that needed to be said and it felt really strong and inappropriate. And I don't know. I think, I think too many of us are afraid of that. We're afraid of the real, like I was saying on the, com- the conversations I have on my podcast, people are afraid of some of those things. They're afraid. And I think people feel more comfortable telling strangers, which is, kind of sad in a way, right? Like you just come on and they feel free to share those things. But we also like the people around us, can we say that to them? Are they going to judge me in a certain way? Is there going to be some kind of reaction that I'm not prepared for? 
But I think what imagine if we all did it, though, I think that fear would dissipate. People would just be used to it, right? We would be used to telling each other how we felt in a hopefully diplomatic way, if it's not so great, you know, but having having a way that that we communicate that's beyond just the surface level of making sure everyone feels happy at all times. You are so right about this. And as I heard you say a few moments ago that we put shame on our feelings, we are just not taught to feel, to express our emotions. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm here in Romania where people are mostly not taught to say what's on their minds. As you said previously, when I go to ask a friend, how are you doing? And I can see she's miserable. She's sad. She's looking downwards and she's, oh, I'm fine. I'm just, Mm -hmm. how are you doing? We just are so afraid of, I think there's this stigma, Matt. I don't know what you think about this, but we think that if we are afraid, we are going to be looked at as being weak, as being not professional, not worthy, not able to be loved by other people. So let's just, as you said, fake a smile like I used to do for so many years And this is why I basically started my podcast. Stories about fear is all about opening that flow of creativity, just expressing who you are, your emotions, say what's on your mind, because you are the only one that judges yourself at the end of the day. No one does anything. We are the ones that allow it. We participate in other people judging us because we are just not given the tools. We just don't know. And sometimes, Matt, I do feel like you did when you were a child, you were eight years old. You did not know how to process your emotions, how to cope with everything. So you were just cute, smiling in a corner, trying to please other people. And I kind of, as an adult, I would still feel the same even a few months ago when I began working more on my ego and people pleasing. But this is stuff and society does not want this stuff, this stuffness uncovered because some people do go into anxiety, panic attacks, and it's sometimes such a fine line, right? When you feel that you're, I'm fine, I'm doing great, but then you uncover other things. So can you please share with us, Matt, a bit about fear? What's your take on fear? Because you said something that really spoke to me just a few moments ago, and you said that you were not afraid to have this conversation. And this, wow, this means that you were very aligned to who you were back then. I think that moment was different. I think that moment, the fear was gone because of my previous experience with my mother's death. So I think there was a a, a different component there. I had spent the first 30-something years of my life very afraid of anything. I was afraid of making a mistake all because of that abandonment fear that someone was going to be like, okay, you're not worthy because you messed up, you know? And so like your mother, I'm also going to leave. 
And so a lot of my life was led like that. I think it served me in some ways. I think it kept me away from doing things that I probably shouldn't have done. But then also it didn't allow me to take risks. I think I was afraid of, I was afraid of making a mistake. And I think there's still components of me that have a little bit of that fear, like you were saying. And I think there's a lot in culture, in society that, you know, we have to be performative. We have to perform to the highest standards. And if we make a mistake, we either have to make fun of it or we have to hide it. And so, you know, I think fear is important. I think there needs to be an element of fear. I don't think I ever want to be fearless because I think there's a safety component in that, in fear for me. I don't know if that's true for everyone else, but I think now my version of fear keeps me aligned a little bit more. Like don't go too off the wall or off the beaten path, Matt. That's not you because I'm this version of me, which involves growing up with so much fear. So if I was to be fearless, I don't know if I would be me. So that's a weird way of saying that, but I think it serves me well. I think it keeps me protected in a way, but I do push the boundaries a little bit more. I do step out a little bit more than what maybe society says, you know, this is the direction you need to go to be good at this or to do this particular route. I think even podcasting is an example of that. It's very hard to do a full-time real thing in podcasting, it right? Is. It's a lot of work. There's no really monetary benefit for a long time for a lot of people or ever for a lot of people. And you're, you're putting, you and I, we're putting our vulnerabilities out there in every episode to who know who is listening, right? So I think there's some fearlessness in that, but also it's, it's contained, right? You know, I'm, I'm controlling it. So there's a little bit of fear there. So I think I have a healthy relationship with fear now, but also I think it's because of the first 30 something years of my life where I was like living in a fear that was in my head. I didn't necessarily know was fear, but it was ruling everything that I did. So, but you were mentioning before about, you know, the culture in Romania and how people you know, to kind of stay on the surface. I think it's also here in America. I think it's generational. I think it's something that we just learned from our parents and our parents learned from our grandparents. And, you know, it just keeps going there. And we haven't really, we're starting to break it open a little bit, I think. I think more people are talking about mental health. More people are talking about the importance of being uh, the word. I know a lot of people hate the word, but authentic, like just being like who you are and what you bring to the world and being okay with that and being confident in that. I think we're getting closer now, but there is still this society piece that once enough people start to do that, the society piece becomes the minority, right? And everyone else is kind of just open and free and sharing with each other all the pieces of their life and not just like the successful ones which I'm sure you see as a podcast host, you probably have a lot of people that are like, let me come on and tell you the five top ways that you can, you know, make a million dollars in two days, you know? And you're like, well, is that like real? Like, what are we doing here? Are we performing? Are we, let me tell you all the things that I've won or let me tell you like the deep seated reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Wow. I love it that you said that. 
I'm I'm enjoying this so much and you get me from crying then laughing then <laughs> this is wonderful thank you for being so open Matt I really appreciate this so much it's and, me yeah <laughs> take I'm, it or leave it I'm enjoying this so much and I I don't know why people don't like the word authentic I love mm. it maybe I'm the minority who I knows I think it's just maybe overused and I think people use it kind of as like a throwaway, you know, and it maybe maybe there's a better, more specific word that could be used. But yeah, I, don't I like see it. what you're yeah. I but everyone's yeah. saying it nowadays. Yeah, you're right. It's like I want happiness. Well, what's happiness? Don't get right. it into that very generic side of things right. like uh, I want my life to be looking uh I don't know. I want a fulfilling life. Well, what does it really mean? Right. I I was really curious about your own journey with podcasting because you mentioned that you would not really want to be fearless and fear does give us so much insight. I I see it, you know, as a fear specialist. I got to study it for around 7 years now wow. and I see it like a messenger. It just tells you what you need to do. Or what you need to not do, what you need to avoid. It's such an amazing way of getting to know yourself better. So yeah. can you please tell us about this? Uh, it's kind of fearless in a way, your journey with podcasting. Not too many people do it. As you say, it's tough. It's challenging. Let's be honest. We are here crying our eyes out <laughs> we are just doing things that we normally would not be doing not right. in a job anyway what's your story with the life shift podcast which i'm really enjoying so much matt i am really loving your work a lot thank you so that's funny that you bring up fear well it's not funny because your your podcast is about fear but the podcast started because of fear, like the actual starting of the podcast. So during the pandemic, I decided I was going to get a second graduate degree, mostly because I just had a lot of extra time on my hand, like a lot of people did. And I got my first graduate degree when I was 22, 23. What does a 22, 23 year old know? They just do what's next, right? Like whatever comes next, you're like, okay, I'll do that until you become an adult. And so I didn't really control any of that education. I was just like, all right, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. So this time I was like, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do a communications degree. I'm going to focus on PR, but there are only six out of the 11 classes. They tell you what you have to take. The other ones you get to choose. So I get to choose five classes. And so going into this, this time, knowing old version of Matt, I intentionally chose elective classes that scared me. I chose classes that, because the first time in my, in school, I picked the classes that were going to be easy because if we think back, I needed to get A's so that people wouldn't leave me, right? Parents, uh, family members, people wouldn't abandon me because my brain was still in that eight year old sense of like, got to do well. So I picked all the classes that were like, I know I'm going to do that. I like, you know, I took calculus in high school so that when I got to college, I took algebra and I'm like, I know I'm going to get an A. I don't even have to go to class. Right. So this time I was like, I'm going to take the ones that when I read the description of the class and I look at the syllabus, 
I panic. And I did. So I took a bunch of, cl- I took five classes that all like, were like, Ooh, I don't know if I can do this. Like I might not get an A in this and that's okay. Side note, I got a hundred percent in like most of them, but I took the art of podcasting, which was an elective class. And it scared me because I was like, I don't know. Do I want to talk into a microphone? What am I going to talk about? What are, you know, what, what, what will I do? I know we don't have to launch a podcast, but we have to do assignments based on podcasting. And so it was fantastic because what it forced me to do is it forced me to do all the things that a lot of podcasters don't like a lot of the front end research. It forced me to research the target audience. It forced me to make audience personas. It forced me to really think on the, the podcast name and a 10 word descriptor and all these things that I think a lot of people just kind of jump into doing podcasting and then they learn along the way. But by doing all that front end work, now, every time I do an episode, I know I keep my target audience in mind. I know what the mission of my show is. And I come back to that. I don't just kind of go wherever. And so it really served me well. And our assignments, we just had to record two episodes, two interview style episodes a trailer. And I think that was it for like the main part of the podcast. And I was like, well, I've now figured out what I'm going to do. If I'm really going to do this for an assignment, why not just do it? So I think by the end of the course, which is what, 15, 16 weeks long, by the end of the course, I had nine episodes recorded. I had already launched the podcast like two months before the class ended. I had the website running. I had you know, guests lined up. And so it's just kind of been going since there. I think I've now recorded close to 80 episodes uh, with my show. I've released 60. So I'm like way ahead, but uh, it's the most fulfilling project I've ever created. And, you know, we were saying this before we started recording is you don't realize when you do a show like this, how much it's going to serve you personally. And it's really helped heal little pieces of me that I didn't realize weren't fully healed yet or connect to little pieces that I didn't realize were stuffed back there, you know? And so it's really just been such a wonderful journey. And weirdly so, because I think 20 years ago, version of me would think, how the heck are all these people trusting you with this story that they're telling you. Like, who are you that they want to open up and have an actual conversation with? And that's been mind blowing to me and really super grateful for that. But it's been such a journey that started with just taking a class that I was scared of and then doing the work. And now I'm not afraid. Oh my God, Matt, you just unlocked a new fear for me. I never thought of it like this. And it's brilliant. Thank you for saying this. And thank you for sharing this wonderful path with us. So it's no wonder you got into being so passionate because you put so much work before even actually starting it. And you're right. And I was fortunate to have my mentors. They also own a podcast. They're very advanced in this, doing it for many years. And I got to learn from them. 
because as you say it's so much work and no one sees it it's like as you thought of originally what am i going to go there and talk into the mic what am i going to talk about it seems like fun but it's just so much work thank you for sharing this Mm -hmm. and you know i'm very curious what is your goal with your podcast how do you see yourself in the next five to ten years with the, the life shift podcast If I am that lucky, I will be so happy that it continues to go on. Um, Right now, my plans are to stay the course. You know, when I first started this, truly, it sounds very silly, but truly my goal is that each episode finds the ears that needed to hear it the most. Because if I think back to the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old version of me, I really, truly felt... Maybe not know, but I felt like I was the only person or the only kid that ever had a dead parent, you know, and that was facing that. I think I I obviously knew that that happened to other people, but in my heart, I felt very alone. I felt very alone in that experience, which, you know, when I got to high school, I met like at least a handful of people that became great friends who all had a parent that had passed away you know, in their childhood. And there was an instant bond. And it was like, oh, they understand how I feel. They understand this. And so with the podcast, my hope is that like, someone's listening, and it's like, they feel really alone in their circumstance. And then they hear someone else talk about this is what happened to them. And this is all the stuff that they've done since and how they've unpacked that and how they've learned from it. And that gives someone hope that gives someone the ability to feel like, oh, I'm not the only one going through this and I can get through it. So that's my you know, ultimate goal is that each episode keeps finding those ears that need it. Long term, I'd love to be able to do this full time and just have the ability to have these conversations and have someone else do all the other work, right? Because uh, you know, like you said, it's like, I would say eight to 12 hours per episode of work from beginning to end. And I don't think a lot of people understand that component. But yeah, I'd love for this show to go farther. I'd love to be able to help produce other people's shows based on what I've learned. I think learning by doing is very impactful. Uh, like I said before, having that study ahead of time was super helpful. But now the hands-on, doing it in and out every week, I've, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot of different things. And if I was to sit down and write it out, it'd probably be a lot longer than I'm thinking right now, right? Of all the things that that podcasting teaches you. So five, 10 years now, I hope I'm still having these conversations. I hope people are still trusting me to share their stories. I hope people are still listening, you know, so it's all up from here. Wow. And you know, Matt, it's going to happen because if you want to, you are going to achieve it, which brings me to the title of our episode today i can Mm. be anyone a soul's journey what does it mean what inspired you to put this title on the book because it spoke to me so much that i need to get you know a pen and a piece of paper tomorrow when it's all quiet to think about it i can be anyone because i want to be i want to do so many things so what inspired you matt So that was another little, that was another journey that I was trying to find a voice, I think, before I found podcasting. 
and I did a lot of digital art and try to get, like express, I think it's a way of expression, right? I think I wrote for a while, like when I was younger to get those thoughts out. And then I drew for a little bit. I was in this period of where I was drawing a bunch of animals and whatnot. And then we were in this, this version of America that we're in now where it's very divisive and people are telling others what they should believe, telling others how they should handle their bodies and and we're we're in a space in which people are not agreeing and it really made me think like why can't we just be the human that we are why and and why can't we do anything we want and so what i did with this book is i wanted to kind of take these animals and share that all these animals that people love they all have these quirky little facts about them they all do like little weird things and no one judges them for that. People celebrate those moments. And so each page of the book has a cute little uh, drawn. I drew it on my iPad down there. I drew it on my iPad. And, you know, and then I have a bunch of little animal facts about each one. Basically, the idea of the soul's journey is that like each animal has it has its own soul. And you can choose whoever you want to be. If you want to be an owl today or you want to be a kangaroo tomorrow and you want to be a flamingo the next day be you do what feels right follow that i love that i want to be a cat i love that be whatever you you know and and i think if kids could see that like all these animals are celebrated and different and people still love them why can't they be different if they want to be right if that's who they are. If your daughter one day wants to play with someone, something that, that people aren't all playing with, you know, if she wants to do that, that's cool. Like, I don't know. I think we're, you know, we're getting to a place where that's cool. I think in the past we were all told like you do this, boys do this, girls do this, you know, people do this when really like, you know, if we think about dolls, right? Like girls have dolls, but don't boys have dolls too? Like they have He-Man, they have G.I. Joe, they have all, we all had dolls. They were just named something different, right? And so that was kind of the whole impetus of of that, of how can I use my art? How can I put something together? Also another challenge, how can I publish it myself on Amazon? How can I do, how can I learn all these little things in the process? And so that's what I did. And that's what it is. And there's a coloring book that goes with it. That's the kid's book. The coloring book has the same characters, but obviously the outlines of them. So, so kids can do their own version of them. So. Wow. This is really beautiful, Matt. Congrats for doing this. This is really amazing. This is something that I want to read. <laughs> I'm really curious. You. you need to send me the link. Yes. And I'll I need to edit. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I need to edit in the description of our episode because people should get their hands on this, order it from Amazon. I'm loving it. It's so much freedom of choice and I love it. And what you said earlier just makes so much sense. For example, growing up in the countryside with my grandparents, I was not given a choice. I had no idea that I could literally have an opinion. I was in my early 20s and I was thinking, so, okay, so I'm, I, I got um, hired. I had a pretty nice job back then and I was thinking, 
Okay, so my entire stay in the office, I need to have a fake smile on and just say that everything's okay and that I'm comfortable. I developed a heart disease in the process. I had no idea that I could literally say what's on my mind. Yeah. And as a child, how scary is that? Growing yeah. up and not knowing that you can literally have your own personality. I would always be in a way proud that I could model mm. other yeah. other people that I I was a chameleon i would say it's flexibility of behavior you know it's our mind just trying to comfort us you're not broken you don't need to go to therapy i was not coachable at all mm. but this this thought of knowing that you have a choice that you can as the book says you can be anyone i love it it's just so relieving very freeing thank you ah. I'll send you the coloring book for your daughter as well, so she can she can color if Thank she colors. Thank you. She does, but she'll have to share it with me. <laughs> well, I'll send you the printable one, so you can print it when you need to. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's important. I think if we were all the same, how boring would that be? You're right. You're right. Why do we want to fall in line? I think. I think people just need to bring what they are to the table. We'll use the word again, be authentic, bring, bring your human experience. We all have different experiences. Let's share them. The more we share them, I think the more we kind of break down this, this fear of people being different from us. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of damage that can come with that. So hopefully we, hopefully we move in the other direction, but we'll see. Yeah, you know, as you said a few minutes earlier, it takes time, but we are kind of, you know, shaking the ground, so. testing the waters. And I'm just so privileged, Matt, for our talk today. I am just very inspired. What a beautiful conversation. What an amazing human you are. Oh, thank you. Thank you I'm so sorry much for being cry. here. No, this was awareness because, you know, I think, well, I don't think. I'm sure that I basically processed some things that I have not tapped into for quite a while. So thank you for this. I feel that it was some healing going on there. Mm. And you mentioning that you had this conversation with your grandmother. This is something that we all should do. First yeah. of all, honor ourselves. Just trust ourselves enough that... We can do anything that we set our minds to. And it may seem very general. It's like make love, not war. It sounds very superficial in a way, right? But we can truly be and do anything that we want to do. Thank you for sharing all your personal experiences. Thank you for this wisdom. Thank you for being so vulnerable i really appreciate that and i know that our listeners and the people that are watching us on youtube are also going to appreciate your vulnerability and you know my fearless friends i did tell you at the beginning because um, yeah this is going to be a special episode it truly is so i suggest that if you have been watching us and listening to us until now if you have not 
gotten the pen and the piece of paper that I always carry with me on my desk, rewind, go back and take some notes because this is what I'll be doing after I wrap it up today with Matt. Matt, before we go today, where can everyone get in touch with you? Because after such a really heartfelt episode, I know that people will want to get to see your amazing work and listen to your podcast. Please tell us where can we find you? Sure. For the podcast, it's just the lifeshiftpodcast.com and that should take you pretty much everywhere. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google, all the places. As many places I can remember to put it on, it is there. And if you're on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, it's the Lifeshift Podcast. And on Twitter, since it's a little shorter, it's the Lifeshift Pod. So I can give you all those links and people can easily access that. But I'd love to have you as part of my my circle, my community of people. I try to curate those those areas as best as I can so that I feel that I can, you know, be authentic and be myself and be as human as possible. You said the word wisdom, and I don't know if, if the word wisdom fits. I think, you know, I'm just sharing my experiences and what I've learned from them. I'm, it, I don't know that they would work for everyone else, but at the same time, maybe, maybe one person out there hears this and is like, you know what? I need to do that. Or, or, oh my gosh, I've been leaving. I've been living my life out of fear of abandonment and I don't need to anymore, you know, and I can lean into things that serve me. Like you said, you know, like do the things that bring your heart joy and do the things that, that serve you well. So I'd love to have people join me on this, this journey that I'm loving so much. This is wonderful, Matt. And let me tell you before we wrap it up that I feel right now as I'm comparing myself to how I felt before having our conversation about death and the grieving process and about loss, I feel so much better. Better in terms of I feel at peace now. I feel that I have been needing to hear this. So I was, you know, the ears that you there say you that you want to have uh, to have people to feel that those ears, those very special ears that are needing to hear a certain message. So Listen. I feel that, wow, this was really healing for me today. Thank you. You're welcome. I think what you're doing on this show is you're sharing stories. People are sharing stories and stories have an impact and stories can help other people. And so as long as we continue doing this and, and taking our journeys where they need to take us, I think we're on a good path. So thank you for inviting me and allowing me to, to share my journey. A great privilege, Matt. Thank you so much. Thank you. 